One. Hey guys, how we doing? Uh, welcome back to Four Checking TV. I'm your host Doug Glackey, and alongside me today is Trevin TK Catellus and Nolan Scotty Porterfield, and we are joined tonight by our special guest, Gabe. Gabe, how you doing tonight? Man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing we're doing pretty good on this end, you know. Just getting ready to talk some NHL playoffs. Uh, things are starting to heat up trade-wise. I mean, I, I see you got that Jack Eichel jersey in the background. Uh, obviously, probably going to be very soon until he's on a, on a different team, and we're going to have to be looking for different Jack Eichel jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's get into it. Um, starting off, we're going to start off with the series to place tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. Game five is tonight. Uh, it's actually starting right now as we speak. Series is tied 2-2. And, you know, Montreal is a way to stay in this, God willing. Um, granted, they got give, give three, um, in game three because, you know, that guy, Marc-Andre Fleury, did what he does best. You know, he just misplayed the puck right to Josh Anderson. And it just it just happened again. It reminded me so much of the uh, Columbus series where he just kept throwing the puck right at Brandon Dubinsky and Nick Foligno in overtime. And it was like, why is it happening again? Old habits die hard, Dougie. I think that's the best way to put it. Old habits die hard. Yep. You know, in – you know, in all honesty, that easily could have been. I mean, the series could easily. Be, I mean, what is it now? Two two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah two, two, two two. It could easily be three one. I mean, that's that really was the one that that you know evened up this series essentially. One mm-hmm. thing I will say, I am surprised that the uh, Golden Knights did go back to Flurry tonight for Game Five. I didn't really expect to see that, especially after the way Rob and Leonard played in Game Four. You know, twenty seven. He stopped twenty seven out of twenty eight. He looked good in that. He didn't seem like he was having a hard time. I'm really shocked that, you know, he was – that they're going to go back to Florida for game five. I figured, you know, we were going to see, you know, a little bit of deja vu from 2017 whenever, you know, Flower had the bad game against Ottawa and then Matt Murray took over. I figured that was going to happen again. But it looks like uh, they're going to end up sticking with the Flower for at least game five. We'll see how this one plays out, of course. But another thing that you got to mention too – one guy that's, you know, it hasn't really been a, a high-scoring series per se, you know, and a lot of the games have been pretty close with the exception of game one. But as far as Vegas is concerned, you know, Mark Stone has gone pretty quiet in this series. And that hasn't really been a – it hasn't really hurt the team, I guess, per se, because you have guys like Alex Petrangelo who have really stepped up on the back end for them. Shea Theodore and William Carlson have also done their thing as well. So, I mean – the guys are filling in where they need to, and that's why Vegas is in the spot that they're in. And we'll see if they can pull it out tonight here in game five and get an edge in the series. Yeah, another big one we want to note is uh, Nick Roy is having one hell of a series for them. Like, unbelievable. Um, you know, and you're going to need your random depth guys to have a big game or two within uh, a playoff run if you're going to succeed and win the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, we saw it with the Penguins in 16-17. We're seeing it right now with the Islanders where, you know, there have been times throughout the playoffs where Barzell's been kind of quiet and they've been just getting a lot of good stuff from that Bailey Nelson Bavillier line, you know, things like that. And, um, yeah, and to touch on Flurry, I think 
with Flurry, it's it's such a delicate situation because you want to help have him like keep his mind right, and I think you would have like kept Leonard, and that would have caused like a disconnect. I mean, you know, he'll swear up and down that he wasn't responsible for his agent tweeting the uh, picture of him being stabbed in the back, but there's no way. Like, there's absolutely no way the player had to have approved that in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I think – and I, I just texted Scotty this this afternoon that, um, you know, given Flurry a game here and there isn't a horrible thing. You have two good goaltenders for a reason. That's what's going to help you win a Stanley Cup. So if you need to give Flurry a game – like, let's say you give him a game each series to just ha- keep him fresh, help him get his mind right, and make sure that there isn't that burnout that we've seen throughout the course of his career, you have to do it. Real quick here, I'm just trying to see uh, what uh, things are looking like for Robin. I'm trying to think, like, how many games has he actually played in these uh, in this postseason? And he's only played in two. He played in the first game yeah. against uh, against Colorado whenever they lit him up, and then mm-hmm. most recently whenever he played in uh, in Game Four. So I kind of, you know, whenever you did tell me that, I was like, that kind of does make sense when you think about it. It's just, you know it's kind of a, it's just a, you know, it's a weird move to make, you know, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it makes sense. You know, usually yeah. you see him whenever a goalie has like a, a big mistake or a bad game, you know, usually it's just, okay, shake it off and, and move on. But maybe sometimes you just need to, you know, you need that little spot on the, on the bench, you know, relax and forget about it. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking too, if you're Mark andre Fleury, Hey, I can lose my job at any minute. You know, I, you know, you, you almost play with a little bit of fear in that sense too. You gotta be thinking, Hey, yeah. you know, this guy is more than capable of leading our team to a Stanley cup final. If I'm not on my game and I'm not doing what I need to be doing, you know, my, I'm going to be riding the pine again. And I don't need that to happen. I don't need to be sitting on the bench for another Stanley cup. So hopefully flower gets the motivation that he needs and we'll see how things play out. But uh, this could be a, a very pivotal game here heading into, heading into game five tonight. And I had um, to bring up to you guys a couple questions, too, for regarding this series. I mean, we obviously – you see how Vegas plays. I mean, I, I, tend, I tend to watch this game because, as I mentioned in previous shows, I'm riding with whatever team comes out of the West. Um, so, obviously, I'm riding Vegas right now. But I feel like every time the Golden Knights step on the ice, you're seeing a different Vegas, Vegas team each and every time because each time – they play different. Like some games are playing like complete dog shit. Some games are playing like they're the best team in the league. So coming from that perspective, if you're opposing team, in this case, Montreal, how do you game plan for that? Like, obviously, you know, you can kind of game plan in a way strategically of how Vegas is going to come at you, but based on their role of playing differently, like that each, each and every game where some games like they're bad, some days are good. How can you like prepare for that? Like, are you going to prepare for them to come out fire? Or are you prepare for them to sit back and wait for you? Like, that's what I'm looking at from that perspective. And what, what were you guys thinking on that? Yeah, I think you know with Montreal, they're built, they're they're structured so well, especially on the back end, where they can play against a team that's playing run and gun hockey, or play against a team that's sitting back and waiting to see what's going on. You know, because as much as we like to, you know, make fun of it or whatever, Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie as your 
defensive depth on the right side of that defense is huge. They're both so stout defensively. You know, you have guys like Sherratt, Joel Edmondson, John Merrill. Um, even the rookie Alexander Romanov has been getting in a couple games and has been playing well. Um, they, they have the ability to just sit back and let the game come to them. But if they are going to get, if they do come out swinging and they look like they might get caved in early, they're able to adjust and, you know, do what they need to do to keep, keep themselves afloat and give themselves the best chance to win. And, you know, big thing was, uh, their coach is incredible. Like, even though he's just an interim, Dominique Ducharme has been fantastic ever since he's been hired. Um, you know, and I know a lot of it was he basically got carried by Carey Price, but like, hey man, like the defense is good. The young guys came up, you know, caught Kinyemi and Suzuki playing those higher roles in those bigger minutes allows Philip Deneau to just be a defensive specialist and basically see what's going on because the thing with Deneau is you can put him against any line on any team and he's more than likely going to shut them down. So being able to use him in a bottom six role, at least from a minutes perspective, um, gives them a better chance to win than it would, you know, like last year in the bubble, it caught up to them because Suzuki and Kotkaniemi weren't really ready to go right off the bat, especially after the Pittsburgh series. And another thing that, uh, you know, was also a huge help for uh, Montreal is they do have a guy in the crease named Carey Price who is, uh, in my opinion, the front runner for the Conn Smythe. I feel like he's been that good for that team, and he's kept them in a lot of games, obviously, and it's good to see. I mean, obviously, we all know, you know, every team that makes it deep in the playoffs has good, has good or great goaltending to help them get to where they need to be, and there's, there aren't a lot of guys you'd rather have in this, in this situation other than Carey Price, and He's been a huge factor for this team as well, and he's the reason why a lot of these games have been as close as they have. So, you know, hope obviously they're going to need him to be big the rest of the way, but if anyone can handle it, it's going to be CP. Yeah. What did you say? Do you have anything to add? I mean, Carey Price, I feel like it's one of those rare circumstances where even if, like, say they win – the series and make the finals, I still think he could pull a J.S. Jaguar and win the consummate. Yes. I think it's definitely a possibility. He's been that unreal for that team in this postseason. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, he's probably the only reason they're still here. Yeah. You know, because ever they got into the situation where their backs have been against the wall and they've been down in a series or tied, like he's really just turned it on and has just put the entire team on his back. You know, which is incredible for him. I mean, for years we thought that like he was washed and that like Montreal hasn't been good, but right now I think at least with the way everything's set up in the North division, like, I think we all saw this coming, even though they had injuries and they had the coaching change. They were probably the best equipped team in that North division to come out of it, and, you know, make a big, big playoff run. Because, I mean, you know, whenever you have Carey Price in that, man, it's anyone's, it's, it's always going to be, there, there's always a chance that he can take you farther than what you should be going. So, 
But uh, we're going to move on here. The Lightning and Islander series. Um, game six is tomorrow night. And last night was bad. Last night was really bad. I was not expecting it. But literally the moment I saw Stammer score like a minute and a half in, I was like, oh, man, we're, we're in for it. You know? I think bad was a little bit of an understatement, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was just – there's really nothing positive to say if you're the Islanders. I mean, <laughs> this was such a huge game for you. Everyone knows game five is probably the next most pivotal game other than game seven. And to lose that badly the way they did, the fashion that they did, just oh. – Semyon Varlamov's confidence has to be shot now. You got to figure. You get, I mean, he got, correct me if I'm wrong, he got pulled in the first period, right? Yeah, they pulled him after they went up 3 nothing. I think. Yeah, so that's gone. Now, you, not, not Barzell got kicked out last night as well for that cross-checking penalty. And um, I, you got to wonder, you know, if the league's going to do anything about that, if they're just going to let it slide. They only find him. They only find him? Yeah. That's a they break find for the because that could have easily because yeah. that could have easily gone the other way. If you lose Barzell, you're losing Game Six. That's just yeah. he's been your only source of offense, with the exception of Matt Martin getting the lucky rebound goal. <laughs> but I mean, it just you you'd been you'd been screwed offensively. I mean, the, this is a team. This is, I keep telling saying this Tampa Bay team is just too deep. Nikita Kucherov hasn't scored a goal yet in this series, and he's leading his team in points. He's got nine assists. He's doing everything he has to do. Braden Point's been good. Hedman's been great. I mean, they're doing exactly what they need to do. And on top of that, they got a brick wall in Andre Vasilevsky. So maybe I underestimated Tampa Bay a little bit heading into this series against the Islanders because, I mean, after seeing game five, it, I have a hard time seeing them drop game six on Long Island. I get that it's, you know, Long Island. It's one of It's probably been one of, if not the wildest hockey environment in these playoffs that we've seen this year. I don't know, man. A lot has to go right in order for the Islanders to pull that off. And I feel like last time when I was watching it, like the the system that Barry Trotz runs just completely collapsed in that game. You know, like they were getting caught on odd man breaks and everything, which is something that you never see from the Islanders. You know, normally they're very defensively responsible and uh, play the right way in order – to like win hockey games, you know, and it just kind of fell apart. I don't know, man, going into game six, you have to wonder though. I think I like their chances just simply because it's the Coliseum. You don't want to be the reason they closed the Coliseum. I think that they'll come out swinging and that they'll force a game seven, but at that point it's going to be a 50, 50 ball. You know, what are you thinking, Gabe? I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch yesterday's game. I mean, thankfully. <laughs> I was yeah. at a party, but, yeah, I don't know. 8-0 loss is something, like, it's going to be extremely tough for them to rebound. Marlamov's confidence has to be shot. Sorokin, I think he did a little bit better, but still he let up, what, five? It's, it's mm-hmm. going to be tough, extremely tough. I can see the Lightning winning tomorrow, but. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see a game seven, but I'm not too optimistic. I mean, you look at the way the Islanders played, too. It's most, the, some of the games that they won you know, so far in the series, not to say they played bad at all, uh, other than last night. Um, 
have they've been closed games. They're not blowing any team out of the water just like Tampa did to them last night. So with that regard, if Tampa can continue to play like they did last night, they could run the whole way through the entire and repeat the Stanley Cup. But they don't always play like they played last night, and that's the issue. Vasilevsky's always pretty good in his game, but it's the rest of the team that doesn't always play to the caliber they did last night. So that's why there's always going to be some losses for them coming in between. So that's why there's a chance for them to lose game six tomorrow night and force the game seven because they play differently all the time, just like I mentioned with Vegas. If they played the same way, there'd be no doubt that the Islanders are done tomorrow, but we know that that could, that could change at any time. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, yeah, the big thing with Tampa, obviously, like you said, is just putting it all together. Um, but, you know, if they do make it out of this, they win tomorrow or win in game seven. Uh, the lightning that is, they'll, they'll steamroll whoever they end up playing in the Stanley Cup. Like, oh. once I, like, you know, and Amber has a lot of, like, what Sid has in terms of like the killer instinct, like where it's like they get deep enough and it's like, all right, let's just go and this and just shut it down. And I know that like him and Hedman, other guys that have been there, Kucherov, you know, Palat, Kalorn, all those guys that have seen like them underachieve, they're all in there and just basically be like, all right, let's, let's go back to back and keep this train rolling because I mean, there's so many of those guys that all they need are two cups for their legacies to be like solidified, you know, like if, if Tampa wins the cup this year and Stammer and Hedman both get two rings and Kucherov as well, they're both locks to make the hall of fame. All three of them. Vasilevsky. You know? Vasilevsky's Don't forget. Vasilevsky. Yeah. Vasilevsky's a lock. I would say um, just with the, the way his career tra- trajectory is, but like, you know, I don't know. I didn't want to say that too soon. Did you make a case what? for point two? You think? I mean, dude, he's had a legendary start to his career. And like that what, is. Here's another thing about him too. Like I just checked. I think he moved into like second place in the all-time list for like most consecutive uh, playoff games with a goal. Yeah. I think he just did that. Like you look at some of the names that he's coming up here. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick because these are some names that he is up here with. I think Lemieux is at least on it. Mario's on it twice, and he's ahead of yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah, it's like a bunch of them are seven. John Drews, Pat Lafontaine, Claude Lemieux, Mario's on it twice, Rocket Richard, Joe Sackick, and Jean Balaveau. So, I mean, those are some names to be elite company with. And, I mean, great points definitely. If he keeps moving at the, at the uh, pace that he is, that's a guy who could easily be, you know, an all-star, maybe even a Hall of Famer if he keeps it up. But we'll have to wait to see that out. If he stays healthy – if he stays healthy, he'll have a better career than Stamkos does. Hmm. That's what. Yes, I'm not. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say, Gabe? I said that's a hot take. That is- yeah, but I, I, I think it can happen. A lot has I mean, to be right in order for that to happen. It's just it yeah. that way. And it's like you said, that's very true. Down to injuries, because obviously. No, nobody knows injuries better than Steven Stamkos because guys had just about everyone you could have. So, yeah, could you imagine if he stayed healthy his entire career? He's truly like the one out of like all the stars that's like, you know, if this guy stayed healthy or whatever, like 
he's the one who probably had his career most impacted by injuries. Didn't he have like 50 goals in year three? And then, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. like, like, I think he had a, he had a year two, actually. He had a year two because he tied Sid that year. That was the year him and Sid split the, the Richard trophy. He had that in year two. That was the year after uh, Melrose said he wasn't going to make it in the NHL and he was a bust. <laughs> Imagine what his rookie year would have been like if Barry Melrose wasn't there. <laughs> like, he could have put up numbers his rookie year, but they just kept sitting him and having him ride the bike. <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense, man. Made no sense. Like, the other – there was one show we were doing whenever we were still university affiliated where uh, we were talking about um, ESPN analysts and the one kid that used to be on with us, he said, Oh, I can't wait for Barry Melrose to have a platform. And I'm like, wait, really? You want that guy to have a platform? Like, what are you, what are you doing? But uh, we're going to move on here. You know, we're, uh, we're getting to that point in the year where, you know, we're going to have big trades. Big trades are brewing and expansion draft is happening, which is going to force more trades, which is going to force me to be like absolutely ballistic in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I think, the, I think the NBA sent us a nice little reminder that you can still make trades in the middle of the playoffs. The other day, whenever Kemba Walker got traded to OKC. So, uh, I think the NHL is uh, gonna have that again. You know, um, I think Jack Eichel's gonna get traded within the next week to ten days, and you know, the return's probably gonna be extremely underwhelming. But that's not our problem. <laughs> that's <laughs> Buffalo's problem because, you know, I honestly though it would be just like so perfect it would be poetic justice for them to strike out on this Eichel trade whenever they've struck out on his entire career up until this point you know and then like obviously Sam Reinhart is going to be on the move I heard that Columbus is really really looking into him and then Rasmus Ristolainen um, there's a lot of teams in the Metropolitan Division that are interested in uh Rasmus Ristolainen and I just sit here thinking to myself, please God, don't let it be the Penguins. <laughs> because, you know, it's like it's like in that uh, in SpongeBob, whenever they're like, let's pick up bikini bottom and move it over here. Let's it's like, oh wait, we are actually replaced Jack Johnson with Jack Johnson. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. But yeah, they're saying the asking price for Ristolainen would be no more than like a second or third round draft pick and an AHL player. Um, I think that that's still way too much. I think that's generous. For, I think what you get for Ristolainen is a second round pick. Truth be told. And even then, like he's he's the type of player you dump for like a mid round draft pick. Cap it. Yeah. Because he's he's not really that good. You know, um, I mean, I'd now this is a stretch for me, but I'd rather a team trade for Seth Jones than Rasmus Ristolainen. Well, that'll end up happening. And 
Yeah, and we all know that like Seth Jones is like actually not good. You know, but I can't wait for the Canucks. The, I'm telling you, the Canucks. It seems like just a prime destination for him. They'll play him with uh, Quinn Hughes, and it's just going to be a meme. Non-defensive you know? defensive pair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's thing going on there. Um. Just, yeah. Real quick to you, Doug. Uh, since you were mentioning that, so like. I know we're going to get into where, where we think Eichel's going to move and things like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. looking at some of these moves, as you mentioned, who the hell is left in Buffalo? Like, where, you, where do you start if you're Buffalo? It's like, okay, you got – I got Darlene behind me. Like, obviously, we haven't mentioned that he's going to move. Up, but, I mean, if if he doesn't – he's like the piece that you got left. If you're going to move Reinhardt and everyone, too, you got, I mean, who else is there? That's I mean, it. That's really it when you think about it. Here's, here's why – I mean, look. It's safe to assume that Eichel, Reinhardt, and Ristolainen are all gone this offseason. The Sabres yes. are tearing it down, and they're starting from scratch. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the smartest thing for them to do. The only thing they're going, I, I could see them doing is signing Darlene to, like, a bridge deal or something. That's probably, like, the most logical thing for them to do because right now, you know, he's good, but has he really proven anything? No. Uh, not really. He doesn't want to play with, though, either. I guess, but I mean, other than him and other than him and uh, Jake McCabe, that's about all that they that Buffalo really has right now. So I mean, let's get into these. Let's get into this uh, this trade talk. You know, what are we seeing as some possible destinations for Jack Eichel? Dougie, you, you lead it off, bud. Big one I've been hearing recently is Anaheim, mm-hmm. yes. which is um, interesting. You know, because. And I've heard that they've they've asked for Trevor Zegers, and Anaheim has hit them with a hard no. You know, I think that that number three overall pick could be enough trade currency for them to, you know. And you got to keep in mind they had pieces like you know where they could not like they they could do this without trading Zegers or Drysdale. Um, you know, like you still have Sam Steele. Um, you still have Ricard Raquel that you need to do something with because it's it's going to get to a point where he's not going to want to play on a rebuilding team anymore. Um, you know, I could see like Sam Steele, maybe Max Jones, somebody of that nature, and the third overall pick for Eichel. Um, you know, I know Columbus is uh, both Reinhardt or – Eichel, I can see them leaning more Reinhardt, though, because I feel like they don't have enough ammunition to pull off a trade. Um, because, like, they don't really have a lot of, like, really good prospects. I mean, I know they have the, uh, what is it, the eighth overall pick draft. Like, that'll be a good chip. But, like, they need that to draft somebody. Um, because they really have nobody outside of line A, and who knows if he's even going to want to stay. You know, um, I was saying Minnesota for a while, but like everything going on with Kirill right now might make that not feasible at this current moment in time. I I heard that a 50-50 that uh, Kevin Fiala is back from the wild next season. So maybe like you can make a package around him. But I mean, again, it's like, I don't know. That's tough, you know, and I feel like if you're the Sabres, 
you're trying to trade Eichel for a center and not like these wingers because like, yeah, you have Dylan Cousins, you have Casey Middlestat, but like so far in their careers, I feel like they, all they've done is play wing. Like, can they play center? You know, and that's that's the big question is like, can these guys play center? If so, then load up on wingers. But, you know, it's yet to be seen if they're able to play center consistently at the NHL level. Um, but like, honestly, I feel like team has checked in on either Jack, Jack Eichel or Dougie Hamilton. You know, um, I know that the Kings are saying that they're not in on Jack Eichel. But a lot of uh, people around the league believe that that's just like a smokescreen. Because just like I said with the Ducks, they can pull off an Eichel trade without giving up Quentin Byfield. You know, they might have to part, part with Alex Turcotte, but so be it. Because, you know, your one-two punch at center would be Eichel and Byfield. And then you still have Gabe Velarde, who's going to be a great third-line center or potentially a winger. You know, and then you have the Rangers who, you know, you can capitalize off of Ryan Strom's value. His value is never going to be higher. He's had a great two to three year run since Artemi Panarin signed there. You know, that that could be a big piece. What are you thinking, Gabe? Yeah, definitely no correlation between Ryan Strom's success and Panarin being there, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. But, like, there were stretches, like, especially, like, whenever Panarin was over in Russia taking care of all that stuff he had to deal with, um, where he still looked good. You know, he's still putting up numbers, still holding his own. I mean, he's definitely so, good. Sure. Yeah, I mean. I'd love to see Panarin on the Rangers, though, even though I'm an Islanders fan. I think yeah. even him in the big market, I mean, I'd get to – I'd watch more Rangers games because of that. My fa- most of my family's Rangers fan, so I'd – I love Eichel. He's one of my favorite players. And if it would mean that I'd get to watch him more often, then I wouldn't mind that. Man, could you just imagine the core being Eichel, Lafreniere, Panarin, Kako, Sabanajad? That's legendary. Like, you just got to figure the defense out, and then, you know, you're a cup contender for years. As far as, Eichel, as far as Eichel right now, I just like you, you touched on it, Dougie. I think the Ducks are a very possible destination for him to uh, to end up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they necessarily should, you know, make that trade, but I think they will. You know, I there's no way that trade is getting completed without Trevor Zegers. I don't see that happening. If you are, if you're gonna get Jack Eichel, I think Zegers has to be a part of it. Maybe you throw in a, a pro, another guy like a, like a Braden Tracy just to sweeten it. And obviously you got the third round pick, the third overall pick, I mean, coming to, and maybe you throw in a couple more. But I just – I think that if Anaheim's really committed to this Eichel deal, Buffalo's got to milk as much as they can out of them. And I think that's what their focus should be in the, uh, in the upcoming weeks is just, okay, what can we really – you know, what are we really – what can we really get out of the Ducks – in order to make this deal happen. Because if you can bring in, you know, two solid guys in Zegers and Tracy and a couple picks to go along with it, I think you're set. I think you're made for it. As far as Reinhardt, um, 
another team that's probably looking for a top six center is the Ottawa Senators. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a very possible place for Sam Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. then. You know, and another, that's another one where I feel like if you want to get a first round pick out of Ottawa, you could probably do it. And it wouldn't be a bad first round pick either. I think, I think he's worth it. You know, you get a top 10 pick and uh, you know, just in case, you know, the goaltending situation, you know, what, obviously there are a lot of question marks there. Maybe you bring in a guy like a, like a Joey Decord or someone like that, just as a, maybe for a backup role or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I know that the senators have checked in on uh, Nazem Kadri um, since, you know, it happened again. They're, uh, they're probably going to end up trading them. And, I mean, it makes sense because you have to think Jost or Alex Newhook make that jump within the, with, within the offseason to be, like, the number two center, you know. So, I mean, it was the perfect time for Kadri to do what he did. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say you exactly get a top 10 pick out of uh, Sam Reinhardt, but, like, you can get some really decent players out of Ottawa. You know, like, maybe Drake Batherson. I know they have Alex Formanton on the back – or on – at forward, you know. Maybe a guy who hasn't worked out yet that you could take a flyer on as a throw-in is Logan Brown. You know, I know he's getting a little older now, but um, he hasn't really shown much yet in terms of cracking into his potential at the NHL level. So that might be somebody that they could look into. Um, but the next thing we have to get into. Hey, Doug, real quick. Because I know that – what's up? Um, before you go on with that, I know the one team, I don't know if they're still in on it or not. Um, but I know we, we talked about it, and I want to throw a question to you guys too. Is the Flyers worth talking about um, Eichel at one point as well? Um, now, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if they're still in on that or not. But even if the Flyers or, say, the Rangers, which you already mentioned, as Penguins fans, you know, from the hometown here in Pittsburgh, if you're – I know, you, Doug, you think like a GM. I complimented you on that the other day. I mean, if you were a GM, I think you'd have a team in the Stanley Cup final every year. Um, if you were in that position playing against Eichel – on a team like the Flyers or the Rangers now playing against you in the Metropolitan, how do you combat that if you're a team like, say, Washington or Pittsburgh? You're playing against Eichel now more often. Well, I think, especially, and you got to keep in mind the Hurricanes are coming back into the Metro too. Correct. Um, one of Washington or Pittsburgh is going to roll over and die in the next year. Um, one of them is going to end up just falling off. And I think right now the, the Capitals have that edge at the moment because they don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Kuznetsov. They really don't know what's going to happen with Ovi. They know that they're going to have to sell the farm for Ovi to come back. He's going to make probably like 12, 13 a year. I imagine he's going to take 13 just to be the highest paid player in the league. And, um, you know, so they lose an expansion, but like the big one that they were talking about, especially early on in expansion mocks was TJ Oshie, you know, and part of me believes that they went out and got Anthony Mantha at the deadline because they knew that they were going to lose Oshie and he could just go back into that role that Oshie has played since he's got been there, you know? And I mean, I think the Penguins are okay to like combat situation, especially with the Rangers, because 
even with Eichel, they may not be there yet, but they're very close. Um, I mean, I said this whenever we had a hockey troll on. I'm just hoping for one more good Penguins run, and then we blow the whole thing to bits for Connor Bedard. Like, literally, just throw it all to hell for Bedard or Mitchkov and just hope to God that you magically crap your pants into a lottery win. So, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I mean, it's tough because uh, you, you imagine. So, like, Pittsburgh will probably make playoffs. Carolina's definitely making playoffs. The Islanders are still going to be a playoff team. Um, you know, there's quite a few – like, there's so much going on with uh, – that Metro division and, you know, who knows the devils might get better. You know, we still don't know what's going to go on with um, Jack Hughes, you know, he could get better and they can be a playoff contender within a year or two. But um, honestly, like I'm not worried about it this year, this year coming as I would be the year after because everybody will be a year older and I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh are talking about how, like, this is, like, the last go. You know, they're treating this like it's the last dance. And I don't really believe it, but, you know, there's at least talk of it. So, sorry I went off on, like, a small tangent there. But um, does anyone else have anything to add to, like, what I just said? No. All right. Now it's time to move on to the fun part. Um, Matthew Kachuk allegedly wants out of Calgary. And here I am. I wish I had a whiteboard behind me because I could have a whole thing going. And here I am to explain to you why the Pittsburgh Penguins need to sell the goddamn farm. <laughs> so obviously, if you're any common Pittsburgh sports fan, anybody who turns on the radio, anybody who looks at Twitter, or anybody above the age of 35, you believe the Pittsburgh Penguins need to get physical. And by God, do I have a solution for you. <laughs> and it's, it's easy. It, dude, I'm like thinking to myself, like, I want to get like into this and be like, it's as easy as a three payments of four ninety five, Like, it's like that. It's like it's like all right. It's as easy as giving up Brian Rust, Sam Poulan, a choice of whichever goalie prospect they want, and probably a second round pick, and maybe we'll even throw Josh Maniscalco in there to sweeten the pot. Um, the reason I think Sam Poulan goes in this deal is because his best friend is Calgary Flames top prospect Jacob Pelletier. They played together this year in Valdor on a line with fellow Penguins prospect Nathan Legare, and they tore it up. You know, if they if they had Mem Cup this year, they probably win Mem Cup. And um, I think that, that would be a big thing for Calgary to um, bring in. Um, Brian Rust is on the last year of his contract, and 
he's going to need an extension and the Penguins probably do not have the ability to pay that extension. So use him as the big piece to bring in uh, Kachuk. Um, you know, and then you're probably thinking to yourself, wait, Doug, Matthew Kachuk makes $7 million. How are we going to make this work? Well, Jason Zucker exists. And Jason Zucker should probably go to Seattle. Or be traded, you know? And, but honestly, though, like, and Ron Hextall said this at his, like, post-closing of the season press conference. He said, we want to go out and get a guy who can play physical and score goals, but it's hard to acquire said guy. Well, said guy just may or may not have went on the trade market. So what are you going to do? How are you going to make it happen? I'm not big on trading the first round draft pick in 2022 or 2023, but if you have to do it, do it because Matthew Kachuk would acquire, would provide more value to your team than anyone in the 2022 draft would, with the exception of if you win the lottery, it's Shane Wright, which is slim to none because you're probably still going to be a playoff team next year. So, I say you just go for it, you know, do everything in your power to make it happen. I know I'm right in saying that Brian Rush should be the headliner of the deal. Anybody who tells you that traded for Matthew Kachuk is fucking crazy. So listen to me. I'm your friend. Don't turn on a radio. Listen to this. Doug, I know you mentioned um, before, too, before Kachuk even brought up that he wanted to move out of Calgary, he didn't want to be there anymore. The big talk mm-hmm. between us was Johnny Gaudreau is going to leave Calgary. Yeah. With Kachuk wanting out, what do you do with Gaudreau? I, do you I, to I'm still dying on the hill that Johnny Gaudreau goes to Philadelphia and plays online with Kevin Hayes. You know, people have been saying, oh, they need centers and stuff. And it's like, you can, if you need a center that bad or a center to build around, you can easily trade Johnny Gaudreau for Morgan Frost. You know, bring him in, build around him. You know, you still have Dylan Dubé who could play center. Um, and then, like, at that point, you might as well just trade Sean Monahan too, right? Sean Monahan's definitely gone after this season. Yeah, Sean Monahan, he's an interesting uh, little character because, you know, he kind of reminds you of Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the sense of, yeah, he's on that team, but what really does he do? Like he doesn't fit the scheme, you know? Exactly. He's not – he doesn't fit what they do. And he's – in, in all honesty, though, he, he's more like – he's more of a second-line center just being yes. forced to play a first-line center, you know? It reminds me of what would have happened happened if Jordan Stahl was forced to play top six mm-hmm. minutes in Pittsburgh. You know, he just seemed he, he just seemed out of place. And I think, you know, I mean I'm trying to think of a team where this this could work. I mean, one that is definitely in need of some center depth. How about Columbus? Yeah. Talk Columbus about could work. Some center depth. I think that would work in it's not like Columbus doesn't have the assets to give either. They got that first rounder from Tampa. 
that they could give up. If that ends up, if Tampa, no, that's right. Tampa ends up making that push, I think that's an easy dump yeah, off. Buddy. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's more undoable. Mm-hmm. You know, and another one I just thought of would be like maybe that's a lower end option that the Wild look at um, to be a center option if they don't go in on Eichel because like obviously they'd have to move out money, but I'd imagine the Pittsburgh first as a base um, would be a good start for Sean Monaghan. Um, you know, Philly, maybe. Um, I could see Anaheim looking at him too if they lose out on Eichel because they wouldn't have to give up a ton for him. Another good one that makes sense, Ottawa. I think Ottawa might be the golden ticket. Um, you know, because they need – they just need – you know, and he might be a top-line center, but, you know, being able to play off of Josh Norris um, would help, you know. Stutzla, is he playing a wing or is he playing center? I think he's been playing wing. Yeah, I think he's playing wing. Yeah, I think he's playing wing, you know. So, like, he'd already have a great player alongside him, whether it be Kachuk or Stutzla, and – I think that could work, you know, like he has like two years left on his deal. By the time he'll be up for an extension, Ottawa would be ready to contend and then make the decision of whether or not they want to extend him and keep him built around him or not. So maybe that's a good move. Um, yeah. So what do we think is going to happen with Kirill Caprizo? Because apparently that Russia report, from what it sounds like, just from like what Michael Russo has been saying, is uh, blown out of proportion. I mean, here's the thing with Kirill Kaprizov, and you know, Minnesota has to prioritize him. Your mm-hmm. team has never been more relevant than they were this year. Whenever you had him, the last time you were this relevant was whenever you signed Zach Parise and Ryan Suter on the same day. That was the last time. And since then, you know, your franchise, you know, they've not like they claim to have the most passionate fans and everything like that. But outside of Minnesota, who watches them? No one's really no one's really, you know, checking for the wild like that. So my point is, is that this guy has been such a great addition to your team. I think it's almost I think you're idiotic if you let him walk to just walk out of here after one year. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're losing so much there. Not to mention, you know, like you said, you know, Kevin Fiala is kind of 50-50 right now. So that's a young player that you're losing too. And just, he's not like, who are you going to market on the team after that? Are, are fans going to come? Are, are, the, are people going to watch the Minnesota Wild for Joel Erickson Eck? <laughs> I don't think so. No offense. He's a good player, but – He's not, you know, a face of the franchise that you market. You know what I mean? You can do that with Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. So I feel like if that needs to be top priority right now in Minnesota, is how, you know, how much do you want Kirill? Because mm-hmm. right now, 
it, I think maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say this, but we live and die by you. In all honesty. Yeah. And I think the same can be said for Kevin Fiala. I find it extremely bizarre that it's there's even discussions that he could potentially be traded. Um, you know, I think that he's one of those guys you build around. Um, you want to have two good wingers on two different lines in Kirill and Fiala. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously Bill Garrett's a direct disciple of Jim Rutherford. So, you know, common sense is already being pissed right out the window. But, um, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't understand it. You know, I understand like maybe potentially wanting to keep Matt Dumba, but like, if you got to move out Matt Dumba to keep both Fiala and Kirill, so be it. You know, you stop Jared Spurgeon, who's okay. Carson Soucy's good and serviceable as a right-handed defenseman. You stop Kaylin Addison and waiting in the wings. So I don't really understand the whole like desire to want to keep Matt Dumba around if it meant you have to sacrifice has made your team fun again and made your team bearable to watch again, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of this whole debacle just boils back to the fact that like Parise and Max are both so bad, you know, Suter still plays up to his contract, but like Parise was healthy scratched like several times throughout the past year. You know, and I mean, part of me wonders, like, do you buy him out? I know that buyout's probably outrageous, but like, do you buy him out to save like three or four million against the cap? That is a hell of a tag you're paying right there. I know. I don't know, man. Gabe, what do you think? How many more years are left on uh, both of their contracts? I think it's like five. Yeah, yeah. I think it's five. Yeah. <laughs> and you think Lou wanted to trade for that last summer? Yeah, I guess uh, Lad on LTIR is uh, doing well compared to what Parise would have been. Yeah. I'm going to look up and see what what that contract actually is because I'm curious now. I just I took the shortcut and went to popular buyout section on cap friendly. <laughs> um yeah it's for the next four years. Um he's making seven point five million dollars. I don't know. I don't know how you handle that and how you take care of that, but um, it's not helping their cause at all, knowing that he's still on the books. And obviously there were mistakes made over the past several years with the wild, but um, Kaprizov and Fiala should not be the ones who end up paying for that. So, but yeah, guys, we're going to end up wrapping this up here. Um, is there anything else that anybody wants to say real quick? Well, there's one thing I wanted to touch on real quick before we end this. Um, okay. Obviously, we've talked in past episodes, most recently, of course, about the goaltending situation in Pittsburgh. 
and there's a certain team out West that is, you know, I think we could say tanking could be a fair statement in the Anaheim Ducks. And they have a certain goalie from the Pittsburgh area who uh, is pretty good. And if you really want to go full tank, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to have that guy on your team. Who I'm referring to, of course, is uh, John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks. So here's something I want to pose to you guys. Would you be open to seeing John Gibson return home and help the Penguins make another push? And if so, what are you giving up? Yes. He's the only other player in the league that is Matthew Kachuk. I would trade sample. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I'm saying like literally just table and go for it because um, Gibson probably extends your window by five years realistically because you know we don't know how much longer Malkin's going to play he's going to play but we know Sid probably has at least five to seven more good years and you know and that with still having Jared McCann Jake Gensel the defense being good and young still having POJ Marino guys like that and adding John Gibson to that group could help you make a push continuously and be a playoff contender uh, for years past when the Crosby era ends. It's just, you know, just like we're saying with Kachuk, the amount of stuff you would have to give up for him is exuberant. I would make the argument that the ask that the price for Gibson would be much higher than it is for Matt Kachuk. Yes. Like I, we're talking parting with John Marino. Hi. I don't know if you part with Marino as I think they go more the POJ route than they would John Marino, in my opinion. Yeah. I, can see and I that. feel, and I also feel like, you know, they would take on Jari just off the potential factor. Yeah. Too. Cause obviously they have to take a goalie in that back in that deal. There's no way mm-hmm. they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine that first rounder is all but gone too. Man, I think the first rounders for 22 and 23 are off the table, like gone in that scenario. I no, they, they I don't think they I don't think they lose two first rounders in that deal. Maybe, maybe you throw maybe in like another, maybe another pick, like a third or fourth rounder, like yeah, a maybe a there. first and a third. Yeah, yeah. but there's no way they're giving up two first rounders, especially considering the fact that you're giving up an NHL caliber goalie and arguably an NHL, you know, a top six, maybe top four potential defenseman too. I don't feel like you give up two first rounders to go along with that. That'd be like a, a bit of an overpayment in that sense for John Gibson, but yeah, just something to think about there. I know it's yeah. bold, but you could even see, I mean, I, and again, I know it's bold, but you talked about sending Rust in for a trade on Kachuk. You could send Rust in on a trade for Gibson too. Though. He said his contract's out. I know it's bold and it's a big move, but you could, you could technically try to send Rust out there too. We maybe wouldn't have to give up as much if you're sending a big piece like Rust out there to try to get Gibson. Russ is going to be part of the deal for Nick Delorier. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, no, no, no. Nick Delorier is a throw in. <laughs> a throw in with John Gibbs. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're not trading with Anaheim ever. <laughs> ever, ever. It's, it's, it's forbidden. Like, Brian Burke will be arrested if they trade with Anaheim. 
Um, but man, crazy stuff is going to happen, man. Um, you know, and the thing with rust, everybody, I feel like a lot of people downplay rust, like as a trade chip, but like he holds more value right now in a trade than what Phil Kessel did at the time he was traded, in my opinion. Or at least it's close. Yeah. The margin's not, that, margin's not that big. No, it's not that big at all, you know? And I think that he could thrive on his own line away from Crosby. You know, there's a reason why they sometimes, some nights put him on the third line. Because he can hold a line on his own. And it wouldn't be detrimental to Crosby and Gensel for him to play down the lineup. You know, that's the whole thing. All right, guys, anything else? We can end on that note. No. All right, well, thank you for coming on, Gabe. We really appreciate it. And um, all right, guys, great episode. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter at 4checking underscore TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. And this was the most recent episode of uh, 4checking TV. Thanks, guys.